We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We are hoping that everything goes smoothly today. There's no huge breaking news in the middle of the show. Nobody's power goes out, nothing goes on. So we're hoping for a really smooth operation today because we are going to talk Notre Dame football. We're going to talk about the Gator Bowl and the importance that this game has for Notre Dame and and what that means and all that entails. And then afterwards, and, and I don't think it'll be too long of a show, but every time I say that, it ends up being like this marathon show. Shouldn't be too long of a show, Ryan. And then after that, we'll get into our mailbag. So if you all have questions that you want to submit, you can start submitting those now to talk about, uh, you know, in the questions part, we can talk about Notre Dame, talk about recruiting, talk about college football, talk about whatever you guys want to talk about in the mailbag. But during the show, we're going to talk about Notre Dame football, Ryan. And we live in an era where basically ESPN determines how everyone is supposed to feel about something. And ESPN has decided for whatever stupid reason, when you consider that they actually host most of the bowl games on their network, has decided to continue this mantra of bowl games don't matter. And now you see that all the time from fans on Twitter and, oh, bowl bowl games don't matter. Yes, they do. For some teams, maybe they don't, but for most teams, they do. Does it matter from a, hey, we're trying to go from number 21 to number 18 and that's going to have some sort of impact on a national? No. But in a lot of ways, this is your first kind of glimpse because so many kids opt out because of the transfer portal. In a lot of ways, this is sort of your first glimpse into what kind of team you're going to have next year. And it it goes into what kind of momentum, what kind of perception you're going to have in the offseason. And those are all the things that we're going to discuss about why this game is is really important for Notre Dame. And and one of the biggest games of the the season, in my opinion, when you look at how things play out, and it's going to have an impact on the direction of Marcus Freeman's program. And it's yeah. not so much about winning and losing, although winning and losing matters. It's the process to get there. And that's what we're going to discuss today. Well, I mean, Brian, it, I mean, when you really think about it, it's almost developing a new identity. I feel like we've talked a lot this season about you know Notre Dame trying to find an identity early. Somewhere around midseason after the Stanford game, you started feeling better about the identity, especially offensively, what they were trying to do. And then you're in a situation now where with potential opt-outs, like you said, with some kids transferring, with the roster looking different over the next couple weeks, I mean, this is like an extra spring practice basically at this point, right? Like you get a new series of practice to really start to understand what your roster is now, what you are at this moment, and what you are going to be moving forward. So I think it's an identity-building thing, and it's almost like a early understanding of what this team has, what this team could be. It's, it's really exciting for me, honestly, because I feel like, again, I've been trying to understand throughout the process of the season what exactly does Coach Freeman want this team to look like. You know, he told us what it was, but early on you didn't feel that – you know, it was getting acclimated the best as far as actualizing the plan. Start feeling better about it during the stretch of the season. But now that the roster looks different, there's going to be a new development of identity. Do they stick to exactly, or not exactly, because it can't be exactly with the same players, but to the identity, to the brand that you're building? Or do you change a few things? Because maybe there were some players that wouldn't let you be your full scope of vision. So I think the 
development of vision this offseason and right now leading up into this bowl game against South Carolina, I think that's the most exciting part for me, Brian, is that we get to see a developed identity of what this team wants to be moving forward. And I think that's really cool to think about. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That's the big thing about this, Ryan, is just the makeup of the of the football team. But I think even before then, I want to talk big picture. Let's talk about the big picture nature of this. People may not agree with this. I believe wholeheartedly in this. And if you don't agree with it, it's fine. But I believe in this. I know Ryan believes in this. Mm-hmm. Nine and five, nine and four looks a lot different than eight and five. It just does. Yeah. The perception of it is different. And especially when the eight and five comes with back-to-back losses. So it's not just eight and five, it's how you got there. If you'd have started off three and five and then won, you know, five straight games, okay, that would be a little bit different. If your eight and five comes because you went seven and five in the regular season, but won your bowl game like we saw, what was it, in 2000 and um, trying to think what year, uh, 2014, when they had that collapse down the stretch and then won their bowl game. You went into the, the offseason with a lot more momentum than you would have if you lost, but but you won the bowl game. You needed the bowl game win over LSU to get there. If you'd have lost that game, completely different mantra, where I've argued before that that the other part about this is the momentum that you build going into the season. And I think it's especially important for Notre Dame when you consider they lost their last game. Right. If Notre Dame would have beat USC, climbed up to 13 or 12 or something like that, and then – Mayor opts out and Foskey opts out and all these other guys opt out and they lose to South Carolina. Okay. You can kind of say, Hey, look, man, you know, we had this guy out, that guy out, you know, we still beat number top 10 USC. We still beat top 10 Clemson, you know, all these, then you'd have a little bit more of an excuse to make, but that's not the case. Now they lost to USC. They need to win this game and, and get back on track. And I think it's also an opportunity for them to, regain some not regain but continue the momentum they have on the recruiting trail for 2024 i think those are the big picture things ryan that cannot be ignored kids are going to look at that there's going to be kids that 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 south carolina is offering big scholarships to that they're offering money to there's going to be sec teams they're going to say hey look you know you why would you go to notre dame they could barely beat a middle of the road sec team now whatever the excuse is for it that's going to be the, the the talking point if you lose this game so there's a lot of big picture aspects of this to me ryan that make this game very important well you said the key word for me and that's momentum i am a big believer in momentum i know some people kind of scoff at it and shake their head like it's not a real thing but if you played if you coached if you covered the game you know just watching a football game momentum is a real thing and i believe in momentum in a wide scope as well as far as from a game to game, from a season to season, an off season to season. Momentum is a real thing, folks. And I mean, Brian, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Moneyball, but the one quote that I always, I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't know, man. You never know, but <laughs> you're the guy that doesn't watch movies, man. Come on. Like, oh, I watch movies. I just okay. don't watch, you don't watch bad good movies. ones. Not it. Okay. Uh, bad movies. Yeah. Yes. Cause you can uh, determine if a movie's bad before you watch it. It makes total correct. sense. Correct. Uh, anyway, yes, um, I've seen Moneyball. 
So Brad Pitt's line is, if you lose the last game of the season, nobody gives an expletive, right? right? And I believe that. I do. I truly do. I think that that momentum can spurn into the offseason because like you're talking about and like what we're going to talk about today is that the makeup's going to look different of this team. There's going to be some younger guys that are naturally just going to have to play because there's going to be some players that are not going to be a part of the game plan or a part of the roster when they take on South Carolina. So the young players especially, momentum is an even bigger thing because let's say a Holden Stace has a couple nice catches in this game, maybe scores if Michael Mayer doesn't play. That now going into the winter workouts and into spring ball, he feels like he could be the guy at tight end, right? Like that momentum really matters. And I think anytime you win the last game of the season, it matters. So there's, I mean, yes, the difference between nine and four, eight and five that we've harped on a couple times in a couple different shows, but even simply winning that last game to feel great about yourselves going into the off season, continuing that momentum, it matters. It's, you can't really even quantify how important that is, especially for the younger guys, in my opinion. I think another thing too, Ryan, about this about this momentum thing is, uh, I, I believe it's it's what you said. I agree with is for Notre Dame. I I don't necessarily think like if TCU beats uh, Michigan in the semifinals and then loses to Georgia or Ohio State in the championship game in a close game, right. people are going to care that I mean they're right. So it's it's unique to certain. Scenarios. I mean, the Cinderella team, you know, Loyola mm-hmm. Chicago losing to Michigan in the semifinal four didn't all of a sudden, you know, take away how great of a run that was. But that's it's not true for teams like Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. For a team like Notre Dame, it, it does matter more, in my opinion, because the expectations are so high, especially when your season was considered a disappointment. You right. don't compound that disappointment with further disappointment. So I think that's the big picture aspect. Mm-hmm. Let's get practical. Yep. I think that first of all, you mentioned this in, in your initial sort of sort of, your initial monologue, which I thought was spot on. Is you're gonna this is where you start creating your identity of a football team? Because let's talk about what's transpiring at Notre Dame right now. Mm-hmm. So when you look at some of the decisions being made, there are players who are just not going to have a spot at Notre Dame anymore, and yep. we've talked about that. There are players who have opportunities to still stay in school and get their degree from Notre Dame, but they don't have a spot on their roster because of several factors. There have been some uh, heart-to-hearts, let's just put it that way, with certain players who do want to come back, that if you want to come back, this is what's expected of you. Because my understanding is there was a lot of things that transpired this year that Coach Freeman was not happy about when it comes to just the what the locker room was like, what the interactions were like, coaching-wise and player-wise. We've heard players kind of allude to that at times in, in interviews. Michael Mayer said something that people are like, what does he mean by that? And you're like, well, if you've heard the things we heard in September, you'd understand what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of frustration about uh, about some of those type of things. Well, okay, we're, we're going to change this. If you're, not, if you're not bought into the way we're doing things, that's fine. You can go somewhere else and, and play somewhere else. And, of course, some of the kids that are going to be in the portal are injury issues and some are academic things. But there's also some kids that are going to be, I don't say processed out, because that's not what's happening, because they can stay at Notre Dame if they want. They're just not going to be on the football team anymore. Sure. <clears throat> and so, Ryan, when I look at that, I think that you know, you're sending a statement there that mm-hmm. could really shake up your locker room, depending on how kids take it. And from what I understand, Marcus Freeman has been very upfront with the players and the team. Kids don't like it, but this is how we're going to do it. He's been up front with recruits about why it's happening. Mm-hmm. And I, the, the thing is, is I got I have no problem with it. And, and there has yet to be a kid that I've been told is going to be not back that I look mm-hmm. and say, oh, wow, gee, I can't believe they're doing that to that kid. Or I don't understand why that's happening with that player. Sure. But here's the reality. These are still the teammates of the other the players that will be coming back. And so you have to really come out of this, this, you have to really come into this period in the first couple of practices have been like, you know, just working with the younger guys and things like that, but you're going to go get into bowl prep here and you're going to have to sit there and say, okay, if this is what you want your culture to be, you just can't run guys off. You need right. to immediately dive into practices with the way that you want things to be. And it begins now. Cause if you say, Hey, we're going to change things, but then the bowl prep is still sort of the way it's been. The attitude mm-hmm. is the way it's been. The things that you accept as a head coach, as an assistant coach, as a coordinator are the same. Then it's not going to mean anything. If you say, for example, 
if you say, hey, look, this has got to change. This has got to get better. We have a level of excellence. We have a golden standard that we set here. And then you just keep trotting out the linebackers that you've been trotting out all year and they play the way they've been playing all year. What message does that send? Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that kind of go into that to say, hey, look, you can talk the talk, but the players want to start seeing you walk the walk. Right. And there is frustration with players at various positions as to why that guy's not playing well. And I'm still sitting here, you know, sitting the bench. I'm doing everything you're asking me to do. You know, why should I stay? Mm-hmm. That's going on everywhere. That's not just Notre Dame. That's going on everywhere. Bama's lost double digit players, including five top former top 100 recruits, including a fair couple pair of five star guys. They've yeah. lost a starter from their offensive line to the portal. They lost, they like lost seven two, offensive yes. linemen in general. They lost yeah. two receivers that were young, highly ranked guys that played a decent amount this year, and mm-hmm. and three highly ranked guys, but two of them played a lot this year: Treshawn Holden and JoJo Early. So this is happening everywhere. So if you're Marcus Freeman, you've got to really come out and say, if this is how you want your program to be, it needs to start now. You can't waste 15 opportunities to get better for and to change your culture. So I think that's really, to me, at the heart, one of the biggest things as to why you need to take this bowl prep very seriously because this is your chance to lay the foundation of who we're going to be as a program. So when you go home over the Christmas, over the Christmas break, after the bowl game, before the second semester starts – you need to figure out, are you really bought into this thing or not? Because mm-hmm. there's another portal opportunity coming open in January, right? Yeah. And then one in the spring, you know, one down the road. If you don't want to be here, that's fine. We understand that, but you need to, you need to, to, you need to know what the expectations are. And that's got to start now. You can't wait till March and April to start that. It's, it has to start right now. Well, and I like that you say that it's not unique, Brian, the mass exodus of some players to a roster, because we see that every single year, right? Like you see a, 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 every year there's a couple teams that lose a ton of players for X, Y, and Z. And, but I think that the transfer portal obviously is going to even make that more common, right? Like you're going to see a few teams this offseason and some for very bad reasons, right? Like there's a big difference between why Notre Dame's losing a few players and why Texas A&M's losing a few players, right? That is a completely different conversation and I think people assume that an exodus is always a bad thing right I think it can be a good thing for Notre Dame like having those heart-to-hearts and trimming the fats per se because I mean I've always heard that if you're not a part of the solution you're a part of the problem right and if you do not stand by what the staff wants and what the vision is moving forward then you become a cancer you become a part a part of the locker room that is not going to help everything grow around you so Mm -hmm. I think that to your point, if Notre Dame does this right, it can work out really well. Because I like the the I, I love the fact that Coach Freeman is being so real and so transparent to what is happening in the locker room that he doesn't like, and that's going to move forward of what is the expectations of this program. I think it's great. But to your point, you also need to back it up with action, right? You need to show that those changes are happening. You need to show that the vision is being kept as far as what the what the what the program is going. So again, I I think people have seen it on the message board, seen it on Twitter. I've even seen it in the chat at times, you know, especially yesterday during the show, we talked about it a little bit during the recruiting hour. And people assume that there's if Notre Dame's losing a, you know, some football players to the transfer portal, that's a negative reflection of Notre Dame. And I don't agree with that. That is not necessarily true. There is addition by subtraction at times from programs. That is a real thing. So I think that it is telling to what Coach Freeman is trying to do, moving into his first, you know, his well, his, well, his first second full off season, but first off season as the full-time head coach in a season moving into an off season, right? So this is a big opportunity for him. And again, I'm excited about it, but to your point, action needs to back up words at this point. The vision is great, but if the results are not coming, then the process needs to change at some point. I think too, there's just an opportunity for you to start to evaluate some guys that maybe weren't a big part of who you who you um, maybe were this year, but who you think need to be a part of it next year. Like I, I for for me, one of my biggest concerns about this game is that I've been told that the Notre Dame staff. Al Golden told some of the younger linebackers, like, hey, you're going to get a lot of work during the, you know, and and you're going to get an opportunity. Now, 
is that because you are using a semantic argument that's not really true, that they're going to get a lot of reps because the first two, three, four practices are young guy practices where they're getting a lot of reps there. But when everybody else is kind of around and you ramp things back up, they're back to being scout team or not getting any reps. Because here's the thing. If you say that and then that's how it goes, these kids aren't stupid. Yeah, And I think that I think there's some first year coaches at Notre Dame that don't quite understand that they're dealing with a different breed of young man. They're not the naive footballs, all that matter type of people. These are smart kids yep. and, and they have good support systems and you can't just BS them, be, you know, BS them into accepting whatever you want. And if you try that stuff and then you get to once bowl practice ramps up, it's back to playing the same veterans or same guys that struggled during the year. You're going to lose guys. It's going to be worse than if you just said, hey, man, we just get through this game. we got to go win this game, but don't worry. You'll get your shot in the spring. It, it'll be worse if you do it this way. My hope is that they're being honest with them and saying you're going to get a shot to push and get more reps and then let play them. I mean, that's got to be the thing because right now you know who Jack Kaiser is. Yeah. You know who he is. He's a good athlete who's very short and limited in, in space. He just mm-hmm. is. You don't know what Jalen Sneed is, but you know what he isn't. He isn't short and lacking length and lacking explosiveness. He is all of the things you want. I, it's a bowl game, right? So I'm willing to allow him to make a couple mistakes to allow him to get the experience and let me see what he can do when the bullets are live. Let me see Nolan Ziegler running down on kickoff in this game. He, he, mm-hmm. he can afford it. Let me see Josh Burnham coming off the edge a little bit this game. Right, let me see some of these younger players. Make Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey your number one and number two in this game. With all due respect to Brayden Lindsey, who a uh, great kid and all that, but you need to see what those kids do because there are some players on this team that you need to see what they have right. before you really dive too deep in this transfer portal and before mm-hmm. you really kind of go into next year and give them an opportunity. The same thing when, when you look at like quarterback. That's part of the reason that Notre Dame is, it was going to make the transition to – to Drew Pine, I mean, to Tyler Buckner, is they're going to get a transfer quarterback. They're going to get the best transfer quarterback they possibly can. But they need to know what they have in Tyler Buckner. And it's not just about the game. It's not. It's just what what's one game really going to matter? It's not about just one game. It's about one game and the 15 practices and the different strength conditioning sessions and the film room sessions and the meeting sessions and the walkthroughs and all the different things that go into evaluating where this young man is as a football player. And mm-hmm. so anyone that just says, well, it's just one game, you're missing what goes into one get one bowl game. And that's where you can learn a lot about these guys because this staff needs to needs to really work hard to say, okay, do we want to give do we want to allow Tobias Merriweather the chance to show he can be the guy now? Same with Deion Colsey. Do we want to show that do we want to wait till maybe next in Ireland next year against Navy? Do we want to wait till Ohio State in game four before we find out if these guys have what it takes to go out and prepare like the dudes? Mm-hmm. Or maybe we give them a glimpse of that now and see what they can do, right? Do we do we allow one of the younger guards to push for playing time in this game? Do we allow the young, younger linebackers to play in this game? And I'm not saying you bench Jack Kaiser. I'm not saying you bench J.D. Bertrand or Maris Luafau. I'm saying is you play those other kids. You can mm-hmm. still start the same guys, but the series two, I want to see Jalen Sneed, or series three, I want to see Jalen Sneed, right? Series two or three, I want to see Prince. Kyle. I don't want to see wait till see Prince Collie till the second half. Okay. I want to see Prince Collie series two. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Prince Collie start. I think as bad as Maris was at the end of the season, I, I think you need to do figure something out, right? He needs a he sort of needs a wake up call because it's not just. Look, I think Al Golden's scheme and the way he coaches clearly has played a role in the linebackers not playing to their potential. Mm-hmm. But there's a big difference between J.D. Bertrand not playing to his potential and having some misses and what we've seen from Maris Lewifow where he just looks lost at times. Yes. I mean, there's a difference. And and one level of play, even like J.D. Bertrand when he's off, is still a solid player. When he's mm-hmm. on, he's really good. And J- With Maris, J.D.'s, it's really down. And J- J.D.'s always in the right spot too, right, Brian? Like the the – things that you that frustrate you about JD is that he'll be in the right spot and then just, you know, the lack of length thing comes up, right? Where he misses a tackle in space or does something like that, right? Maris Loifau, when he's off, he's not even near the play, right? Like he has read something incredibly wrong and he has chased something that's not even there. Like that's the frustration. Mm-hmm. So 
I mean, I agree with you, though. It's a great opportunity. And the one interesting thing is that a lot of the players we're talking about haven't played a ton of football this year, so most of them can still keep their red shirt even if they play a lot in this football game, right, or just play in general in this football game. So, I mean, I agree with you, man. And I know we're not digging into the match of South Carolina, but South Carolina is also a team. We will. I know. I know. today, but we will, yeah. Right. And I, but they're a team that spreads the field out a little bit. So, I mean, to your point about the, the rover position for one, right? Like, wouldn't it be great to get a Jalen Seed out there who's a little bit rangier, a little more athletic, and work against some slots? You know, the Antoine Wellses of the world and that brand of football. I mean, I, I think that there, this is an opportunity to get some of the more athletic pieces that may be a little younger, but have been kind of eased along slowly to get an opportunity to play. And I mean, I'm not even, I'm not. I'm not asking for Jalen Snead to start the football game, right? But I'm asking for you to give these 15 practices a true look of, hey, Jack, Jalen's becoming alone, man, and he's ready. So he's going to get an opportunity to play, and he's going to get an opportunity to compete. And if he's the best man after those 15 practices, maybe he starts, but at least he plays a lot of football. Competition is the biggest thing that these 15 practices look for for me. I think another part of this too thing, this thing for me too, Ryan is is it sends a message that we're not going to be what we were under Brian Kelly, which is a seniority award, sort of like a lifetime achievement award spots instead of merit based. Right. And now, when a kid played like J.D. Bertrand did last year, I'm going to give him a little bit more leeway to kind of get caught up. Sure. Other guys don't get that. Because JD's ceiling is higher, in my opinion. I mean, again, this is about winning and losing. This isn't about making you feel good. And, and all. I mean, it, it, it's the tough part of the, the business. And here's the thing that people need to understand. The more that this portal thing becomes a real thing, the more you're going to see teams do this. And they should. And players can't complain about why wow, they gave my job away. They took my spot when they can just leave willy-nilly whenever they want to now. You know, and they can jump on the portal and become free agents whenever they want. Okay, fine. Then we're going to do what we need to do. And we're going to, you know, we're going to do the same thing. I got to make sure Jalen Sneed doesn't jump on the portal. So sorry. You know what I mean? That, that's the that's the reality that the leadership of college football has created. And and coaches have to respond accordingly. And, you know, so that, that has to be factored into it as well. But at the end of the day, it comes down to we're going to play the guys that give us the best chance to win. And I think that's also a coaching evaluation opportunity. Because I'm going to sit down, and if I'm sitting there with Tommy Reese, and I'm sitting there with Al Golden, and I'm the head coach, and I'm thinking, guys, you're you're both being paid a lot of money. I need to know that that money is worth it. You don't say it quite like this, but this is what the heart of it is. If you can't get Jalen's need after a whole season and bowl prep ready to play in some sort of legitimate rotation spot, if you can't get Prince Colley ready to play, who's in year two, after a full season and a bowl, I got to rethink whether or not you're the right guy for this job. Coach Reese and Coach Stuckey, if you guys can't get Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey after a full season and 15 bowl practices, and from what I'm told, Tobias Merriweather's been cleared. He's not in contact, but he's out there running, going through 7-on-7s and individual and all that stuff. If you can't get those guys ready to step up and be playmakers against one of the worst pass defenses at the Power 5 level, then I got to question whether or not I have the right guy for the job. You're saying that to players, you need to say that to coaches because yeah. that's something else. It's like, look, bro, you're, you know, you, this team's been together now for five months. If you can't get Tobias and Dion ready to go, you can't use the, well, Dion's missed a lot of time crap anymore. That, that he's been in it for two months now. He's been back in the rotation for two months now. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Tobias is cleared. He's good to go. I don't want to hear, oh, you know, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Love Matt Salerno's young man. Great story. But you're trying to get ready to go not only win this game, but get ready to go out and be the best team you could be next year. And you need to see if how, how Tobias prepares. Put mm-hmm. him in that spot and say, okay, bro, this is the shot you've been wanting. Respond to it. Let me see you prepare. Let me see you work. Let me see you do this. Dion, you know, you wanted more playing time? Okay, cool. You're starting a W in this game. Here's what I need you to do. Bam, 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 and see if he does it. Same thing with Prince. Kali, you want to play more? Cool. We're going to play you more, which means more practice reps. All right, and see how he responds. Jalen Sneed, you want to be a part of this thing? Cool, we're going to throw you out there, give you that opportunity. Here's what I my expectations are. Now go out and do something with it. You know, do the same thing with like Josh Burnham. It's another guy that I want to see that with. 
You know, though, there's there's a lot of young guys you could throw in Jason Onye into this conversation because mm-hmm. I don't expect Jason Adamiola to play because what I don't think a lot of fans know is Jason played with a lot of different injuries during the year, gridded yeah. through a lot. Of, and the only one that took him off the field was concussion, which you can't grind through that. You're not allowed to grind through that anymore. You, you mean school gets sued. So I don't expect him to play. It hasn't been announced yet, but I don't expect them to play. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Jason tries to talk them into letting him play, but I don't think that he should or will play. Uh, if, if any of you know Jason Adamiola, you'll understand what I'm talking about there. But <clears throat> there's opportunities here, and it's mm-hmm. those things where if you're Marcus, you're saying, look, I, rec- I went out and recruited this phenomenal class, top five caliber class, built off studs on defense, and you're telling me you could only get one of those guys ready to play? Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other corner struggled. Okay, so Coach Mick, I need you to really work on this This. You've done a great job. Now I need really need you to, you know, make Jaden Mickey a little bit of your pet project here. We need to get Jaden going. You get Jaden Mickey some confidence going to the offs. Let me rephrase. Jaden Mickey's never lacking confidence. He can give up four <laughs> touchdown passes. He's not going to lack confidence. Give him some momentum, some confirmation that, dude, what you're doing is paying off, right? Yes, you've right. had some struggles. You've been put in some tough spots. You're fine now. Belief in yourself beyond just the confidence, but also some – you could be the most confident guy in the world, but if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and struggling, you're either going to lose confidence in yourself or confidence in the in the people around you or confidence in your coach, right? Sure. So give him some affirmation of, hey, bro, keep plugging away. This is why you buy – this is why you got to do what you got to do. This is why you got to trust – the way I'm teaching you to do it and get him some momentum going into the off season. Is he then, tra- hopefully my hope is that he transitions to the slot nickel position. When we say that we're saying what we think he should do. We're not relaying Intel that he's going to move. We're just giving our opinion of what he should do because it just makes sense. He's the next best corner and that's the slot that's coming open next year. He may not play it in the bowl prep, but I'd play him there in the bowl prep. If it was up to me, Mm-hmm. We'll we'll see, but the the big thing is if they don't want to play him there in the bowl prep and they just want to let him finish building on what he's been doing all year, that's cool too. I I, I think that makes sense as well. But it's about getting him ready to go play well, get mm-hmm. Xavier Watts ready to go out there and play well, get the young guys ready to go out there and play well, and get that momentum. Because number one, a response is going to be, well, I thought you said you needed to win this game. Yeah, exactly. Get your mm-hmm. best players in the field finally. You know, that get your most talented players on the field, I should say. Best doesn't always mean most talented. I'm saying get your most talented players on the field because sometimes talent can overcome mistakes because it's talent. <clears throat> the problem when you play guys like Jack Kaiser, who's a really good kid, you know, quality athlete, but limited, physically limited in some ways, is when he makes a mistake, it is amplified. It is bad. It is blown up. And and he's just not quite good enough to make a mistake and recover. We've seen Benjamin Morrison this year make mistakes and recover in that right. play, not not recover the next play, recover in that play. Mm-hmm. And that's what great players can do. You know, great players like how many times did you see Jalen Smith start to take the wrong angle at the snap or, you know, read his key and then the ball's going away and then just poof, go. We saw Jeremiah Wusu do – I mean, there was tons of clips of Jeremiah Wusu. You're like, dude, what are you doing? Oh, hey, good tackle for loss. That, that's you why know? traits matter, man. I mean, right. even going to the NFL draft thing, like that's why traits matter because traits make up for mistakes. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like you talk about why 34-inch arms are so important for offensive tackles is because not every rep's going to be perfect. There's going to mm-hmm. be reps where you have to recover. That's just the point of it. And, Brian, you know what else is a good point to your conversation, right? Not only do you have assess – you know, the coaches, if they're able to develop properly at the position, the talent that they have, but it's also kind of a, it's a little insight for the future recruits that aren't on campus yet, right? Like you have a top three class in 2023 right now, consensus across the board. If I'm some of those kids looking at this game, I I mean, you know this for a fact, right? Like every recruit will talk about one of the, I mean, Right, like Notre Dame, great academic institution, great football team, all that stuff, right? But another thing that recruits consistently say is, I believe in that coach that he can get the best out of me and he can develop me, right? So you you bet your butt that Drake Bowen's going to be watching his football game and being like, oh, wow, you know, like Jalen Sneed didn't play much all year, but by the end of the season, they had him playing well. They did, right? Like you're, you're going to bet that Christian Gray is going to watch it be like, 
wow, look what they did with Benjamin Morrison this year. That's fantastic, man. That could be me next, you know? Like, I could be the next guy in that pipeline. These future recruits care about the development of the classes before them because they know that those are the guys that come in and have to work to get to a certain point, and those are the guys that are going to be developed. So I think it's a good indication of trust in the coaches that will be developing you and that you made the proper decision. Like, that's what it seems like for me. Like, if I'm Peyton Bowen, for instance, right now, and you go into this bowl game and you're like, wow, Xavier Watts was a stud in this game, man. He barely played at the beginning of the year. But look what Chris O'Leary did with him because he's talented. That could be me next, right? The next guy in line. So I think these recruits that aren't on campus in the 2023 class, 2024, and beyond are going to look at these coaches and say, what can you get out of me? What can you get out of me? I trust my talent, but can you get the best out of me? And seeing some of those players rise in this bowl prep, I think would be a great opportunity to, to really solidify that they the trust that they have in each one sure. of their position coaches as well. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's, it's all a big part of it. And I think, too, is, is there's building up trust in each other as you get ready to go down the stretch. I think there's aspects of, of that with, with, you know, I, I would say that, you know, Ryan, there's, um, there's a lot to be said about trying the right way to say this. There's a lot to be said about looking at this team and saying, this team needs to unify a little bit more. Not that there was disunity, I'm not saying that, but I don't think this team had quite the bond that past teams had. I also think that at times this year, the players felt like, from what I've been told, that they were pushed a little too hard in practice to where they just didn't feel they could get their legs back. When they've had a chance to recover, I kind of feel like I get that, but I, I also feel like I want to see them maybe pushed at least for a week really hard in this practice because I want to see how some of those kids respond. I think that a big part of this too is, is you need to find out just how tough this team can be mentally and really challenge them mentally. And I think players being told they're not coming back is a challenge for players mentally. Hey, are you going to, are you going to look at this and say, this isn't fair. These coaches don't care about us, et cetera, et cetera. Are you going to say, no, these coaches at the end of the day are going to demand excellence and if right. you can't give it, you're gonna you're gonna be looking over your shoulder. Whether that's kids not having roster spots anymore, whether it's kids having starting spots not there anymore, whether it's a fre- incoming freshman coming in and beating you out for a job. At the end of the day, the golden standard is about a lot of things involving going about your business the right way, but playing a guy just because he's the veteran is not the right way. I mean, there were guys in the 1988 national title team that were fifth-year seniors, the Wes Pritchett's, the Frank Stams, the veteran guys, the Andy Hex. There's also a lot of younger players that were playing in that game, you know, that, that beat out veteran players. Why? Because Rocket Ismail gave them the best chance to win. Because Arnold Ali gave them the best chance to win. Because Todd Light as a sophomore gave them the best chance to win. That's what the great teams do is this isn't a merit – this isn't a – this is a merit-based – Right. You got to earn what you get. It's not about seniority. It's not about who we like more. It's not even about this kid's been a great off the field. That's all great. What you do off the field, that's wonderful. It says a lot about who you are as a human being. And I love that about you. But 
it doesn't mean that I'm giving you bonus points when it comes to who my starter is going to be because I need to go out and win a football game and play to the best of my ability. And I think all those things are important. So not only do you need to get a win, Ryan, but if you can get a win impressively, then you can really go into this offseason with a lot of momentum. I think those are all those things are very important. I mean, because we're going to hyper-focus on some of the players that aren't going to play on both sides of this thing, right? And those things are real. We had to talk about them, obviously. But from a full-scope outside look, you're going to say, if Notre Dame goes into this football game and beats a SEC-caliber team or SEC team that just beat Tennessee and Clemson in back-to-back weeks to end the season, it's a big step, man. It's, it's It's a good point to end the season on from where you are currently, right? I I mean, I personally, Brian, I know we talked about it a ton on the, you know, when the, we're doing the college football playoff ranking and the bowl, pre, you know, bowl pre, um, preview type of type of stuff or the reveal. If, if the options that we were kind of looking at were like, okay, South Carolina, Mississippi State, I think South Carolina is a good opportunity for Notre Dame for a lot of those reasons, right? Like the overarching SEC quality wins down the stretch, NIL team that is not afraid to put the money out for certain players that we've, you know, we have obviously gotten insight into as well. Right. So I think that this is a nice opportunity just for the simple, like just the talking points behind the scenes. Like I don't care if, well, I do care, but I, it, it doesn't matter for me from a pers- national perspective. If Michael Mayer doesn't play, if, you know, Jaheim Bell's in the portal and all that stuff on both sides. Right. At the end of the day, if Notre Dame's able to beat an SEC team that has those quality wins down the stretch and show that they're heading in the right direction and using their identity to get there, I think that's what really matters in this football game. You have an opportunity to lay the foundation, continue building, and gain the momentum going into the offseason. That's what I think is on the line for this one, and that's why I'm just overly excited, man, to see just what the final result is because it's been an up-and-down season. But I think you've seen that when things are going right – I think that the potential for this group and this coaching staff are very high. It's just now about maximizing and being consistent with that approach. If they can do that, I think the future is very bright for Notre Dame. And I think that this bowl game is a big indicator of that. Speaking of the future being bright for Notre Dame, I think we've handled kind of what's at stake here for Notre Dame. We can, can, we can belabor some points if we want, but I would like to move on to something else before we get to the mailbag. Speaking of the future is bright. Right before, I think it might have been right during the show or right before the show, Drake Bowen was named the Butkus Award winner for the 2023 recruiting class. Not surprised when you consider the monster season he had. And I know that he's lost a lot of recruiting momentum from the services who don't really care about evaluating the top players, if we're being honest with you. I saw rivals dropped him down five more spots and others, you know, at least they still have him in the top 50, which I guess is, you know, it, it is what it is. But Drake Bowen has been a was a monster for for Andrean this year. He had a phenomenal season, and you know, Ryan. One of the things we talked about when when Notre Dame landed Bowen was at the time. It's like he's a really talented player. He's more at, he's more of a great athlete that's still learning the intricacies of the game of football. Right. You know, I, I would have said he was he wasn't he was not that he wasn't natural, but you could just tell he was still kind of picking up some of the nuances of the game. And this year we saw him just explode in that regard and mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball, 144 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, five sacks, four forced fumbles, two interceptions, all while being a two-way player that also rushed for 1,784 yards and 26 touchdowns. While his schedule was dominated almost, almost entirely by schools mm-hmm. at higher levels. Andrean yep. did not play a lot of uh, – because they're 2A, I believe. They are 2A. And they played yep. a lot of uh, higher-level schools. And so uh, led his team to the state championship game, which they ended up losing. But just a phenomenal season for Drake Bowen. And the last – there's so the high school version of the Buckus Award was first handed out in 09. The inaugural winner was – do you know, Ryan, who the first winner was 2009? I think you do. Jalen Smith, I would guess. 2009, brother. Oh, Manti. Oh, Manti Teo. I'm an idiot. Uh, okay. Jalen Smith going. also won the award in 2013, and Prince Collie won it two years ago. So Notre Dame has won this award four times. I believe Notre Dame is also still the only team is, is still the team with the most Butkus Award winners in the last ten years of college as well, ten to eleven season. Because you had Manti in 2012, Jalen Smith mm-hmm. won in 15, 
and then Jeremiah Wusukoromoa won in 2020. So right. uh, that is sort of the lineage that Drake Bowen is stepping into. And it just speaks volumes about just how good he has been this year, but that linebacker class as well, because Jaden Osbury had a phenomenal year as well. I haven't seen yeah. Preston Zinter's film, but he had great production this year. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have last year's linebacker class, which is uh, going to ha- still has a very, very bright future at Notre Dame. So linebacker position, Ryan, is really headed in the right direction. And I would say Notre Dame has always done well with the one guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Manti was in a class with Carlo Calabrese and Dan Fox. That's all due respect to those kids. That's a it's a pretty big drop off. Right. Jalen <laughs> Smith was in a class with with uh, uh, it was um, Michael Deeb and you know guys like that. It's kind of a big drop off. The difference is Prince Kali was the only linebacker in his class. You know, Kahano Kia was also in that class, but he was always going to leave for a mission pretty early in his career. Well, last year it was about depth of big-time players. This year it's about mm-hmm. depth of big-time players. And I think that's really the the difference between what we're seeing now in linebacker recruiting and what we saw in the past. They've always been able to get the one guy, that one mm-hmm. really good player, but those guys were never surrounded by Jalen Smith having to play next to Joe Schmidt in his career. Right. You know, Manti's playing next to Dan Fox and guys like that. These guys are most likely, barring injuries, going to be playing next to a guy that could say, yeah, Drake Bowen was phenomenal, but Jaden Osbury <laughs> is probably pretty good too. You know what I mean? Like we could debate who's the better prospect, Jaden Osbury or Drake Bowen. And some yeah. people are going to argue for Drake Bowen and some people are going to argue for for, uh, uh, for Jaden Osbury. And, and so those are the things, and I've even had people mention, but don't sleep on press and center, which is a different conversation for a different day. But that's kind of the thing is last year, you know, Jalen Sneed has the highest ceiling, but maybe Josh Burnham maybe might be a better prospect. And Nolan Ziegler was the most productive of all of them. Now, Junior mm-hmm. Tulamaka is pretty flipping good, right? So those are all things that you say, boy, that just the upgrade and the infusion of talent. Now, the key is developing them and making yes. sure that they see themselves as the future. And mm-hmm. that they stay together. Because if they stay together, this group has a chance to be special. Very, very special. It's, it's a wild amount of talent, man. I mean, from going from Prince Kali to, like you said, Nolan Ziegler and Jalen Sneed and Junior Toilamaka, and now with Drake Bowen, Preston Zinter, and Jay Osbury. Like, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a more talented linebacker room in college football next year just for pure talents. Now, obviously, the production at the linebacker position needs to increase, but I mean, Brian, I, I just I don't get the Drake Bowen nonsense from the recruiting rankings perspective. I, I just I can't understand it, man. I really can't because every time I watch it, I'm just like, not only is he incredibly impressive physically, although there's some weird analysis out there that he's slow for whatever reason. I don't I've never seen that on film. But not only does he have incredible film, he has incredible production. He keeps getting these awards. I I just I I don't get it, man. I guess it's because he's been committed to the University of Notre Dame for over over a year, right? I guess that must be the conversation piece to it. But he's a tremendous football player. Jaden Osbury is leaving University Lab as their school's all-time leading tackler, um, only passing a guy named Dylan Moses, who was heralded as, like, one of the best linebacker recruits ever. (laughs) You know, no big deal, right? And then, oh, throw in, right? Throw in. You throw in Preston Zinter, whose brother is literally starting for the University of Michigan right now at offensive guard, is probably going to go pro after the season, right? So, yeah, the uh, talent of the linebacker position is not hurting, man. And I I have loved following Drake's process throughout because he was obviously committed when I first started at the site. And seeing not only the caliber of player he is and all the accolades he's gotten, we also know the importance that he's had as far as keeping – the class together, right? Being the glue, being a part, being a massive recruiting element because he is from Indiana. He is a big time player. He does have a, you know, very charismatic personality having all those things, man. It's great to see guys like Drake Bowen continue to succeed, get those types of awards. But to your points, the linebacker position is in very good hands as long as he's developed properly over the next couple of years. And obviously there are always things like health and things like that that have sure. to factor in. But to your point, yes, as long as these kids are developed properly, they're going to be they're going to be pretty good moving forward. So congratulations yeah. to Drake Bowen. Just another honor for uh, what is just a tremendous Notre Dame class. And he also did all that, Ryan, while gaining about 15 pounds this past <laughs> offseason as well. He, he looked massive this yeah. year, by the way, man. He's he a really big did. kid. Yeah, he really did. He's... Before the season, I was like, oh, he needs some serious development as far as physically. And then you see him in the season, you're like, oh, yeah. nope, he's a pretty big guy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he needs to fill out a little bit. And then you're like, nope, my bad. 
<clears throat> My bad. <laughs> Whoopsie. Sorry about that. So Drake Bowen wins the high school Buckus award is, and now we talked about the, he's now the fourth guy to do it. The first two that did it won the Buckus award in college as well. The right. only one that hasn't is Prince Collie, who is still just a sophomore at Notre Dame. He may, he may end up having a chance to win it down the road as well. Uh, we talked a lot about him earlier needed being needed to, I mean, you need, like, I know what coach Freeman says, like, you know, guys don't earn playing time on Saturdays, but at some point in time, you've got to give a guy a chance to earn his spot on Saturdays, especially when the guy in front of him has struggled the way that he has uh, it, for most of, I mean, you could point to a few games where, you know, look really look like Maris had turned a corner late in the year and then kind of Navy happens. And then he, yeah. you know, plays well against Boston college and then USC happens. It's like, you've got to give this kid a chance to go out and play. You just, you have to. So that's where we're at. So that's going to do it for this portion of the show. Ron. We're going to have a mailbag coming up next, but I just wanted to kind of point out to people, if you have not, we've had a ton of signups on the message board the last couple of days. Uh, over 100 signups in this past week of people signed up for the message board. And so very excited about that. We have a lot going on there. You can sign up there at boards.irishbreakdown.com. CFB Nation has a show. Bill and uh, The Bill and Bill from Sporting News were recording a show while we were doing ours as well. And, you know, we've got John Garcia has a recruiting show out today at CFB Nation where he talks about the impact of Deion Sanders at Colorado on the recruiting trail, how that could impact the recruiting trail and the transfer portal. And, of course, we're going to have a ton going on leading up to signing day, plus getting ready for bowl prep. So tons and tons of tons going on. Our show tomorrow will be focused on the NFL draft. We are going to kind of look at all the guys that are eligible. We'll, we'll even talk about Michael Mayer. I mean, it will be a very short conversation, but we're going to talk about whether or not they should or should not go pro or should they come back. And so we'll have that breakdown tomorrow as well. Uh, so make sure you're locked into all of this on the Irish Breakdown channel, Irish Breakdown message boards, and of course, the Irish Breakdown podcast. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.